Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're catching up with our 2019 Paper Team mentee, Paul Chang, who is a staff writer on the upcoming animated Disney comedy, The Curse of Molly McGee. And we'll talk about uh, what he's been up to, how his first full season in Rose Room has been, how COVID has impacted everything for him, and also much more. So welcome, Paul. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Always great to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you. All right. On that note, let's get started. So, Paul, we haven't spoken on air on the podcast in over a year, I guess, now from PT 147 staffing update. Obviously, a lot has happened for you since then. Would you mind just kind of sharing an overview of what's been going on, what you've been up to in the past year? Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. It's wild that it's been a whole year. I feel like it's just totally flown by, especially with everything going on with quarantine. Yeah, so things are good on my end. I'm, you know, just personally just trying to stay safe and, and same like everyone, you know, working from home. I feel like I've been ping-ponging back and forth between watching a lot of reality TV and horror because they're both like very cathartic in different ways. And then, yeah, you know, professionally on the show, we're just sort of coming up to the end of our first season on The Curse of Marley McGee. And I feel like I could not have asked for a better first staff writing job. It's just been such a great experience. And yeah, like I was saying, it really has flown by. I really love the people on the show. I love the show itself. You know, I think it's really fun. I've been having a fun time writing it. I've really enjoyed learning about animation and, and writing for that. It's, I think it's a really fun medium, super visual. That's been a blast. And yeah, it's just, you know, thinking back over the first season, there's just been so many like exciting firsts for me. So it's felt really special in that respect, you know, just from sending the first draft to the network and going to my first voice recording session with, you know, voice talent, first time getting studio notes and, and that sort of stuff. So a lot of things have happened in the last year that I'm, I'm certainly going to remember for a while. I, I'll never forget sitting in front of my computer at the office for the first time and opening up Final Draft because I'd like spent so many years opening up Final Draft on my computer, but having to hide it, you know, like in class or in my other jobs and stuff, opening it up and just realizing like, oh, wow, like I'm actually getting paid to do this. Uh, that was like totally mind blowing. That's awesome to hear. And on that note, how was that full season in a writer's room? Expectations versus reality. How did you handle that moving into an actual writer's room? If I recall, I think we touched on this last time, like a year ago, when we caught up, like after I'd been in the room for a couple of weeks. But certainly one of the things that I was surprised by in like a really nice way was just how sort of warm and receptive the room was to first-time staff writer. Like I was one of three first-time writers on staff and the advice I'd heard was to be a bit of a fly in the wall for the first little bit, you know, just kind of read the room. And the thing I'd heard time and time again was like, don't talk too much. Just kind of sit in it, see, see how things are going. And then once you've been there for a couple of weeks, then you can maybe weigh in if you're sitting on some gold. But I just very quickly learned that like that was not the case. It was just like a very warm and welcoming environment. And you know, not only were we totally allowed to talk, but because it, we had a, quite a small room, it would have been weird if we didn't talk. And so that was certainly like a shift from what I was expecting going in from like, okay, plan to just observe. But in fact, like the reality was it was it was much more active in a really fun way. And that's one of the things that I'm really thankful for thinking about how this first season has been because it was a smaller room and I was able to just get a lot of reps in terms of time talking in the room, pitching jokes, pitching story ideas and that sort of thing. But also in terms of writing scripts, I got to write a bunch of scripts, you know, more than maybe like a, a bigger room. That's also because these animated shows tend to have like quite a lot of episodes. But that's all to say like 
I feel like I've just gotten a lot of experience in the first season and I feel like I've definitely improved as a writer because of it. So that's been really nice. So Paul, how was it writing your first script for a show? How was that process like for you? How did you go taking the notes on board from sort of showrunner and the network? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, for sure. It was really awesome to just learn about different stages that we go through because it's so structured, you know, in TV. Like before, my process was just kind of like a little bit all over the place. You know, I had my writer's group and, you know, I, I typically would outline and then go to draft. But like moving into sort of that network schedule has been really good. So the way it, it works on our show is, you know, we do a one page premise and then moves to outline and then we're off to first draft, second draft, third draft, and then we punch it up as a room. And so, yeah, very sort of structured thing where you have to hit these marks, so to speak. And then, yeah, at every stage, I'm getting notes from the head writer, from the showrunners, from the studio execs. And yeah, so learning how to write within that context has been really good. I think it's made me more rigorous in how I approach story because I know that like I have these sort of pre-draft documents that are going to be scrutinized and they need to contain everything that's important about the episode before you actually hit draft, like the entire structure, what's the sort of emotional through line or and theme of these episodes, some of those sort of big picture ideas. And that was really great to learn about. When thinking back to my first episode, that was all stuff that was like fairly new to me. By now, I'm like, I've definitely absorbed it and I'm pretty comfortable with that format. But yeah, on my first episode, all that was pretty new. And yeah, it was just, it was exciting. It was a, a story that we like broke together in the room. And then, yeah, just being sent away to working about myself and working with all the different people that I mentioned. So yeah, the head writer, the showrunners, and then eventually getting notes back from the studio. And yeah, like incorporating notes that was a great learning. Like, I really appreciate all the notes I get. I always feel like it's really additive. And so it was, uh, it was a good experience. I'm really happy with how that first episode turned out. That's great to hear. Well, I mean, you just brought up the notes. I was going to ask you, how do you handle those notes? Now you've had experience handling uh, network notes and uh, showrunner notes and so forth across several episodes. What is your advice in terms of handling that and balancing uh, sort of your own takes with the notes, uh, especially network notes and so forth? On the notes, like one of the biggest things that I've learned is that like before I got this first job, my only experience was writing my own stuff on spec, right? And so that's me sitting alone at home or in my coffee shop and showing my own work to my writer's group. And so I'm getting notes from that perspective. But at the end of the day, on my spec stuff, I'm trying to execute on my own vision. Like I have an idea in my head of what I want it to be. And everything I'm doing is trying to get closer to that. Whereas on a show you have to shift into a different mindset where now I'm executing on someone else's vision. And so my mindset when hearing notes is just making sure that I understand what that vision is so that I can get as close to the mark as possible. And so I think there are a couple things that I think have been important for me. The first is, you know, just paying attention to the kinds of notes that I was getting, you know, because I've had like numerous notes meetings by this point. And I definitely was paying attention. Hey, like, what are the things that keep coming up? You know, so that over time, as I went throughout the season, my first drafts were getting closer and closer to the mark because I was paying attention to like, hey, these are the kinds of notes that I'm getting. Here's what is important to the head writer, to the showrunner, to the execs, right? So sort of internalizing those notes over time was really important. And then sort of in the same vein, I try to be really communicative, pop into the head writer's office if I have any questions and just to make sure that I understand what is being asked because I did not want to make an interpretation of a note and then find out after the fact that like, oh, no, this was somehow off the mark. And so, yeah, you know, obviously balancing that with being respectful with everyone's time, of course. But yeah, just making sure that, you know, if I had any questions, bring them up. And, you know, I think 
the head writer like definitely appreciated that because, you know, having some of those conversations, it means that like when it comes time to write the draft, I'm not shooting in the dark. I'm not sort of trying to interpret a note that I might not be clear on. I have a very clear idea in my head of like what I want to do and how that's going to further the vision uh, of the show. Another thing is like, I feel like I've really come to appreciate like that speed is kind of important, speed of writing. Because obviously when you're working on your own stuff, it's sort of internal deadlines. But And this goes back to what I was saying before about having that like set schedule. Uh, You need to turn your draft in on time, right? I'm certainly not the fastest writer in the world, but I certainly have gotten faster. And you never want to just be fast for the sake of being fast in in a way that's going to hurt the script, of course. But I think at least having the ability to crank out a draft, you know, under some time pressure, that was really an asset because, you know, sometimes you would get a big note. And sometimes that's just because something might not have sat well with someone important. Or it could be like nothing to do with that. It might just be as simple as like, oh, you know, because of some production issues or whatever, like suddenly your draft is due a week early, right? And so it might have nothing to do with the script at all, but you might need to turn around the script faster than you initially uh, thought. So that's kind of speed, I guess, is a separate issue from notes. But I did feel that like being able to implement notes, you know, in a timely way was really important. You don't have the luxury necessarily of like sitting on the notes and pondering them uh, endlessly. You need to kind of identify quickly like, okay, here's the note, what's the solve going forward? And, you know, start getting on that and executing it. I'm curious too how your experience of working on the show has changed from those first couple of weeks when we caught up with you about a year ago to now, you know, what's different in your experience, you know, more comfortable, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I definitely got much more comfortable as the season went on. Um, part of that was just, you know, starting to loosen up a little bit, starting to relax. Um, I think, you know, in, in the first couple of weeks there, I was certainly very much in my head. And, you know, I think that's fairly common. But, you know, after having been there for a while, you know, you start to, you just become friends with everyone. So you start to loosen up from that perspective, but also just realizing that like, not every joke or every pitch is going to be brilliant or even remotely good, right? So uh, sometimes you just pitch out something and it, it's not very good. And, and, uh, you know, coming, just learning to kind of let that go and move on. That was, that was a big thing that I kind of got a little more comfortable with as the season went on. Another thing, yeah, was kind of like what I was talking before, just internalizing like the voice and themes and like internalizing what is important to the showrunners. That was something that I definitely took on board as the show went on. Obviously, like I was trying to do that from day one, but because, you know, we were a season one show, we were all sort of figuring out the show together in, in a way, right? Um, and so like as the season went on, just really absorbing what that was. And, and I felt like I could see that reflected in, in my work because like my first drafts got a little bit better um, each script. Right. And that was some of the nice feedback that I heard from uh, from the rest of the team that like, yeah, they could really see how like I was getting improving a little bit with each script. So that was nice. Another huge thing, obviously, that is different between the last year and this year is the uh, ongoing pandemic. So we're wondering how COVID has affected you, especially professionally and your writer's room. Yeah, for sure. So our writer's room pretty much immediately when the pandemic happened, just moved right over to a Zoom room. And that was pretty seamless from a writer's perspective. That's one of the luxuries of being a writer because at the end of the day, we're just typing away in final draft. It doesn't require a lot of processing power or anything. And then, yeah, in terms of the like social element or like the room element, rather, we were able to just shift that over to Zoom. So that was fairly frictionless. That's partly because when the pandemic happened, we had already like moved past the blue sky period at the beginning of the season where we were spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, where the season is going to go as a whole, 
you know, what are different stories, ideas you know, we could have, you know, where we're spending like the whole day in the room, essentially. By the time the pandemic happened, we were past that stage and we were more at the stage where like every writer is off on script. And, you know, we would meet a few times a week. We would ha- meet for notes. We would meet to break the next episode. We would meet to punch up script. But that was like a handful of meetings per week that would run, you know, like one or two hours, right? So we're not, it wasn't a situation where we were in the room from like 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. or something like that. So I do think that because the pandemic landed at that stage in the season, it made things a little easier. I think transitioning to a Zoom room might have been a little bit more difficult if it required us to be on Zoom for like you know eight hours a day or, or something like that. So overall, from a writer's perspective, it was not very disruptive for us. And also just for the show as well, like that's one of the things I'm really thankful for just being on an animated show because we were able to, as a show, to just sort of transition over to doing things remotely because our entire production pipeline from background designers to character designers to storyboard artists to editors, they can work from home, even like voice talent, you know, they can they can record from home. I don't want to make it seem like it was easy because I do know that like a lot of people on the show have been working tremendously hard, especially the artists and, you know, people involved with doing the voice recording and stuff. The pandemic has caused a lot of like technical challenges. So don't want to make it seem like it's just been a breeze. I think for the writers, we have it very easy. I know the showrunners have been like super busy. But at the same time, we have been able to stay up and running, which is obviously like very different from live action production, which is shut down. Paul, were there any particular programs or tools that you guys found useful in sort of a remote writer's room, whether that be, uh, you know, creative workflow, documents, messaging systems, anything at all that was really useful for you guys? For video chatting, we use Zoom and that's been good. And then the other thing that we use is this program called Miro, which we basically use to replace like cards in the writer's room. So we'll use that to break stories. And I would say it's been pretty good. There are certain things that have been a little bit challenging yet to use, but overall, it's completely served our purpose. And it's something that we can use in conjunction with Zoom. So like basically one person will be sort of typing out the beats of their story and then everyone else, and then we'll just share their screen so everyone can watch. So yeah, overall, it's been a pretty good tool. Yeah, that's exactly the the tool I use. Actually, I mentioned it in a previous episode uh, in terms of the way our room worked. Oh yeah, and I was uh, the the tech person so I had to figure out what uh, whiteboard solution we're going to use. And Mira is definitely the better one that I found in terms of, especially because writers rooms and whiteboards in writers rooms are text based. They're not really visual based. So having an actual whiteboard where you can draw or doing diagrams isn't you know a priority as opposed to what's a board that offers really good uh, text based. Uh, solution and, and cards and so forth. So I definitely uh, concur on the Miro uh, use. That's kind of funny that uh, <laughs> he's uh, actually also using it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's pretty good. But uh, going back to the room, are there specific lessons that you've learned, especially you've talked about uh, notes and finding the voice of the show and so forth, but are there any actual lessons that you've taken away that you want to share with our listeners, especially people who it's kind of their first year or second year on staff that you want to share about being in a writer's room? Yeah, I would definitely repeat what I said before in terms of like, yeah, just being really clear that your job is to make your boss's job easier. That would be like the biggest one for me. Oh, yeah. You know what? Another thing that was really helpful for me was just like paying attention to how the more experienced writers would pitch in the room. That is something that I feel like I've picked up and helped me um, become a little bit better. And I don't think it's anything groundbreaking necessarily, but, you know, just being sort of animated and excited and kind of being engaging because I just realized like, 
you know, if the delivery of your idea feels boring, then, you know, your pitch is going to feel a little bit boring as well. So, you know, I would say, yeah, pay attention to the people who you think are making other people laugh and like pitching in a dynamic way in the room and see if you can kind of pick up some of the things that they're doing. And another one, yeah, this maybe is obvious, but yeah, just make friends on the show, you know, like, Sometimes it can be easy to just kind of like sit in your office and like eat alone. But like, you know, people going out to lunch, definitely try and join in. And, and I do feel like making those friends and making those relationships is, you know, it's really important. You know, I, I was kind of lucky, like the head writer on my show, uh, we just happened to live like right next to each other. And so really near the beginning of the show, we just started carpooling. And I think partly because of that, like we've just become good friends. So that's really nice. And I would say, yeah, like be, be social. Don't neglect the social element of being a writer. Well, regarding that social element, how have you been able to translate that into this Zoom post-COVID world? I will say that's one of the big changes that has happened because of COVID. Because before, you know, like we would just hang. We would go and like take a walk around for a break or just go hang out in the writer's room for a little bit, you know, just to take a break or, or joke around or whatever. So there were just lots of opportunities to just hang out and get to know people. Whereas now I've just realized that like with Zoom meetings, you know, there's like five seconds of small talk and then the rest is all business. You know what I mean? Like we're getting straight to whatever we have to be doing because, you know, the showrunner's time is so valuable. And so COVID has kind of stripped away some of that like downtime to just like hang out and really get to know people. And so one of the things, and I've been better about this, like in, in recent weeks, wasn't so good about this at the beginning is, yeah, just like reaching out and reaching out to the other writers and being like, hey, let's catch up, you know? Like, I see you four times a week, but like we never, because we're all just so focused on the work element, it, it can be easy to go months without actually like checking in with someone. So yeah, I just made an effort to try and schedule like some Zoom coffees or chats or lunches with people who I would just normally be getting lunch with anyway. That's been good, but it does require that extra effort. And it can feel weird to sort of like schedule a Zoom chat with, you know, your friend who you're working with. But I think it is important because like in normal times, we'd be constantly talking and checking in with each other. But yeah, because of Zoom, like it's kind of taken that away. So you do need to kind of make that extra effort. And you mentioned earlier sitting in on voice record sessions, obviously pre-COVID. As a writer, what is your role when you're attending the recording session? And do you have any advice for animation writers on uh, the best way to, to be helpful in that process? For the voice recording session, firstly, it was awesome. It was just so fun to be able to go into the uh, studio and, and watch the voice actor, like, read the script. That was such a joy. But I think, honestly, like, f at least for me, I did not have a big role in the recording session. I was basically just there to observe because, like, to my understanding, there's, like, a, a, there's a very strict hierarchy of, like, who can talk to the voice actors because, you know, they're obviously in the moment. They're, like, doing their performance. And so it's really the role of the voice director to give any feedback. And so it was really the voice director and the showrunners who were sort of talking directly to the voice talent. And sometimes the showrunners, they wouldn't even talk to the voice talent directly necessarily. They would sometimes, but other times they would sort of give their feedback to the voice director who would then convey that to the voice actor, right? So that there's a very clear like line of communication and the person who really knows how to direct is doing that job. I think that like, I was told that if there was some burning thing that I noticed, and I, you know, had to say I could take it to the head writer. And then if she thought it made sense to bring it up, she would bring it to the showrunners who would then bring it to the voice director. So there was like many layers between me and the voice actor. And so basically, like, I was just there as sort of a fly on the wall, uh, you know, just to observe the process. But I did not have like a big role in that uh, at all. At that point, it's really in the hands of the showrunner and, and the voice director. 
and obviously the voice actor. So obviously you're also working with your managers while uh, being staffed. How have you been able to balance that relationship, especially regarding, you know, working on your own stuff, taking meetings, uh, et cetera, et cetera? So with my manager, I've just been sort of working on stuff on spec, been working on a feature, which has been fun. And then in terms of meetings, yeah, you know, it was kind of tricky, especially before COVID because, you know, I was in the office like all the time. So it wasn't really going out on many meetings. I might have had a couple generals here and there, but for the most part, you know, just on the show. In terms of how it's been with my manager, yeah, we stay in close contact. The, the amount that we talk is a function of what we're working on, you know? So if I'm like deep in a draft and I'm off writing, like we might talk a little bit less, but then, you know, once it's time to like talk, you know, my manager's feedback on the script, we'll, we'll jump on the phone. And then certainly like, uh, we'll do regular check-ins of like, hey, what are we thinking for our strategy for the year, for the next six months or whatever it might be. So it's kind of a balance. It, I would say it, it kind of goes up and down in terms of how much we can talk. But I think the reality is because I'm working and have a job, you know, as opposed to trying to get staffed or, or trying to get that next job, we're definitely like have been talking less than we would if I was trying to chase down that next gig, right? So from that perspective, I guess you could say it's been a little bit quiet on that front, though, you know, at all times, just kind of working on the next script with them. So Paul, you've also been working on Soderson Spec features as well. How has your approach differed to writing a feature script as opposed to uh, your process in the TV writer's room? Well, you know, I feel like I've definitely applied a lot of the things that I've learned in the writer's room to my stuff on spec. And not, and a lot of that is just, you know, having written a bunch of, of scripts now that have gone through sort of rigorous round of notes. And so that's just made me a better writer in general. But yeah, certain things like craft things like, you know, paying a lot of attention to tracking the emotional through line of my characters. That's been a big thing that I've definitely like paid a lot more attention to in the spec feature that I'm working on now that I've really picked up from the show because we, we just pay such close attention to that. And I think that's definitely like made me a stronger writer. I mean, apart from that, a lot of the stuff I was already doing, you know, like in terms of going through a few rounds of outlines and then, yeah, just like getting notes from like many different sources. I have my writer's group and then I have my managers and I have other trusted friends that I reach out to to make it. There haven't been any like huge process changes, I guess, to answer your question. I think the biggest thing has just been taking some of the like writing and craft things that I picked up just from being on the show for a year and then like seeing those things reflected on the page. Um, there haven't been any like formal things about my process necessarily that I've changed. So looking back to a little over a year ago, Paul, before you uh, were staffed for the first time, what advice would you have for other people who are in that position, maybe on the verge of breaking in as to uh, what they can do to kind of make that next step? I think that the things to focus on, and this is 100% just speaking from my own experience, this is my first job. I've heard that like getting the second job is even harder than the first job, you know, so I'm very much navigating this now. But I think the thing when I look amongst my friends and I look at like, what are the things that have allowed them to, you know, get their first job like me? And, and what are the things that help them get their first break? And in and, and my case, too, I think the first thing is, yeah, just focus on like getting that first good script. That sounds like a no brainer. But I think it bears repeating that, like, you know, you need to just have that sample. And to that end, I can't recommend enough like getting a writer's group that has been like the single biggest thing that was like a game changer for me and, and it's been really cool like I've had two writers groups the first one I just joined I didn't know anyone in it that was when I first arrived in LA I didn't know anyone and so I think I just searched in Google like you know want to join a writer's group or something and I, it took me to the screenwriting subreddit which I, I had never used reddit before even 
And I just saw there was like a, a page there on someone being like, hey, like I want to form a writer's group. Let's meet at this bar tonight. <laughs> and I was like, I might get murdered, but I feel like I need to meet other people in the city and, and join a writer's group. So I turned up and I was in that writer's group for like a year. And that was tremendously helpful. Like the feedback from that group helped me write the feature that, you know, eventually got me my manager. And then since then, I've started my own writer's group of close friends. And, and it's just been really cool because when I started this group, all of us were in the same position of like trying to get staffed. Some of us were assistants. Some of us, like me, I was like not even really on the creative side of the industry. I was more on the corporate side. So we're all really just looking for our first break. Fast forward two years later, and four of us are staffed. Two of us have gone through like the network fellowships. One of us got into that like Imagine Impact program. You know, a bunch of us have reps and all of us like have come a, a long, long way. And, and that's in large part because we've been able to like help each other through the writers group in terms of making ourselves better writers and, and but also that like emotional support component because being a writer it's kind of a stressful lonely weird ambiguous pursuit and so having that group of close friends that you can lean on has been like so helpful for me and I think you know most importantly it helped me get my scripts to where they needed to be so that yeah that would be my biggest piece of advice like join a writers group start one and then, yeah, like just focus on getting it out there just by virtue of having a writer's group and having friends in the industry, you know, people will be reading your work. But then, yeah, you know, do all the usual things that people talk about, you know, apply to the fellowships, apply to the big competitions. I know competitions are a controversial topic. Some people really hate them. I personally think that like some of the big ones are worth it. I, I got my manager through a competition and I know a bunch of people who got uh, their managers and or, or their managers and agents as a result of a competition. So I, I still do think the big ones can be worth it. Um, you know, just do your research, look at what are the success stories. You know, if a competition has like one success story from 12 years ago, probably not a great competition. But if you can see lots of like people who have gone on to get repped or, you know, get staffed or whatever from recent years, that might be an indication it might be something to try out because, you know, everyone has a different story. Everyone gets their first job through a different avenue, you know, it might be a fellowship or a competition or a person they've met and built a relationship with. And so I think because of that, my philosophy is always to try and have a lot of irons in the fire. And so that's why I do advocate like applying for things where it makes sense and, and where you see that like they have a track record. Excellent. And uh, what are your plans uh, after this show, after the roommates? Uh, what do you want to do next? You mentioned obviously the, the feature thing that you're writing, but where do you envision your career headed? In my short time in the industry, the one thing I've noticed is that like opportunities seem to just come from unexpected places. Um, I think it's great to have a plan and great to you know have your eyes set on something. But like sometimes you just get a call and it's like, hey, there's this meeting. You know, do you want to come in? And you hadn't really like planned for that. You know what I mean? That was kind of what happened with this job. It wasn't necessarily specifically gunning for animation, but I ended up getting this meeting, and it's been like such a phenomenal experience. I, I'm excited to keep writing comedies, writing features and TV. But my main thing is just like keeping an open mind, you know, like being opportunistic, being open to what, what might happen. I've loved working in the animated world. I would completely love to stay in here and, and keep working here. At the same time, a lot of this stuff or pretty much all the stuff that I've written on spec is more on the live action side. So, you know, uh, always excited about opportunities over there. But yeah, there's, I mean, especially with like how, how things are changing, uh, there's just so many questions about industry, you know, and, and you know, talking about live action, like when is production going to start up? What's that going to look like? How is that going to impact the writer's side? 
So there, there are a lot of questions about the industry. So yeah, my approach is to just be flexible, always be like meeting people, building relationships, working on my own material. Um, but at the end of the day, being open to uh, just taking that next opportunity that might come up, possibly from a totally unexpected place. So we are going to be announcing a new mentee and information about the next mentorship, paper team mentorship at the end of this episode. But obviously, Paul, you are our very first mentee uh, from last year, even though the mentorship ended a bit abruptly. <laughs> yeah. Are there any lessons that you've taken away or any advice that you want to give uh, the next mentee? I, you know, honestly, I feel like your next mentee is going to be your official first mentee. I was like mentee 0.5 since I never, we never finished it. In terms of advice, yeah, I, don't, I guess, yeah, just be, you know, be open to the notes, be receptive, of course. I think, honestly, the thing for me being a mentee is like, it is very nerve wracking, you know, receiving notes on the air, so to speak. That was one thing that I think I was not necessarily prepared for going into the mentorship. Just the level of like vulnerability that requires to put out your sort of work in progress for the whole world. So yeah, I would say to the incoming mentee, just be prepared for that. It is a very vulnerable process because most of the time, us writers, we get to make something as good as it can be before showing anyone. Whereas this is opening up and showing the whole world how the sausage is made. And that can be quite scary. Be prepared for that. But at the same time, it's a rewarding process. And in the process, yeah, you get to meet two great guys. So that's, uh, you know, uh, best of luck. And I think that's, it's, it's a great opportunity. On that note, we can reveal a bit more about the upcoming second mentorship, or I guess uh, <laughs> 0.15. Well, uh, we will be selecting our second mentee next month in uh, September. So we are, are going to be doing our last PPT session of the year uh, around the middle of the month. And then after that, the following week will be the first episode with our new mentee. So if you want to be considered for that, uh, you can submit your teaser at pptnco slash teaser. That's T-E-A-S-E-R. And just to recontextualize the mentorship process, essentially what we're doing with this is following a person's pilot from inception to execution and also talking about the business side of it. So essentially it's going to be a monthly episode uh, with uh, some bonus content for our Patreons where we will be tackling someone else's original idea and we will be helping them format essentially from a basic pitch all the way to outline, draft, revisions, and so forth. Absolutely. It's uh, obviously a great opportunity, as perhaps Paul can attest. So far, we have a 100% success rate. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully we can keep that ball rolling. Yeah. You um, won't even finish the mentorship. You're going to be... Exactly. You'll be inundated with offers to be on shows. We'll see if we can uh, turn, make an even shorter timeline this time. After the first episode, they'll be whisked away to stuff on the new Westworld or something. Uh, on that note, before we go, don't forget that we are on Patreon. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get access to our Paper Patron podcast every month. You'll get cheat sheets and lots of other goodies. So get on that at paperteam.co slash Patreon. Get on and it, Keep people. producing a great show for you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Paul is a, a supporter of ours as well. So thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to tune in. And thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. Congratulations on your ongoing success. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being with us. Uh, you can get all those show notes. I don't know if there are going to be many show notes, but uh, if any, you can go at them at pptnco slash 187. As always, I'm on Twitter at tvcalling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. And remind us of your socials, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Paul Poise. That's poor Poise with a Paul. Excellent. And uh, if you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes or questions, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Next week will be our paper scraps for August, where we go over our latest news and info around the town and answer your questions that you've sent in. So uh, tune in for that. Sounds good. See you next week. Catch you then.